Okay, so in all seriousness, I think we could probably turn down the swearing by about twenty two percent. Yeah, no, 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 it's all of us. It's not you, Gal. Gal's the one that doesn't swear because he's thinking about his kids, and I don't give a fuck about mine. I swear in the songs, but we could probably do with turning down the swearing just a bit. I think I said pussy in one of the songs. <laughs> Welcome to Born to Watch, where three old mates review and discuss the movies that mean the most to them. Hey there, fellow watchers. It's that time of the week again, Born to Watch time. My name's Whitey and I'm the host of this podcast. And with me, as always, are the two Stooges. In the studio, panic room, is Gao. How are you, mate? Really good. Really happy to be back again for this episode. What a cracker. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we've got Dan up there on Sunny Payne's land. How are you? Yeah, big work on the land. Uh, I took a trip with the family over to a neighbour's property. Uh, we all know and love uh, Mr. M. Head uh, over to his station, you know, fellow North Queensland pastoralist. But uh, I had several great Normans and goats with him and uh, gave him a hand with his cows. He'd just been sorted out by the big boy Rule, uh, big bull Roy on his, on his property. He's, he's built and endowed just like our Canadian mate Roy, shout out to Roy. Anyway, we watched several of the cows grow a pair of legs from their fannies and a heap of new baby calves are now running around the station. Uh, much to the horror of my youngest daughter, who isn't quite ready for the birds and the bees and the cows with other cows growing out of their backside stories. So, yeah, good times, though. Good times on the land. I've got to say, it's a bold thing to introduce your children to childbirth as a cow. Like, it's not one of I- the cleanest. Operations. I didn't oh, yeah. think much about it until the point of seeing a couple of hooves <laughs> sticking out the end, and yeah, my my youngest was terrified. So yeah, in in second thoughts, I'll be a bit mindful as uh, as we grow our stock, and uh, still still I've I've captured at eight chickens at the moment just to uh, to ease her into farm life. But yeah, I, I oh, think that's you, a good point. You learn quickly on the land, don't you, Morgs? You do, you do. There's always something to do, and you learn quickly about rooting stuff. <laughs> Are they vegetarians now? No, no, they smashed tacos tonight. So uh, they, oh, I didn't oh, explain good choice. that it came from one of the calves from M Head's property. But uh, yeah, no, uh, interesting, interesting watching that thought process of uh, oh wow, that just came out of that thing. So yeah, very funny. Yeah, absolutely. Look, tonight we introduce ourselves to an action icon. A character that we, and when I say we, I mean the globe, would spend the next 35 years idolising. John J. Rambo in 1982's First Blood. What a movie. It's going to be very difficult. Actually, I am not going to bother. I'm going out early, and I love this movie. Mate, you were on social media today telling everyone how much you loved it. I, I you didn't may, make the start of this podcast. I, I may have called it perfection. Yes, you did. Look, this movie was adapted from a book written by David Morell. And again, this is one of the movies where I own in my house today the book, the VHS, the DVD, the Blu-ray, and the 4K release of First Blood. Now, that's some fandom. That is That is true fandom, that. Yeah. Yeah, it's, and I tell you what, I watched it again for this rewatch. I was really concerned 
really concerned because with this new eye, this born to watch eye that I'm casting over these movies we watched, I was seriously concerned that I may look at it with a different viewpoint. I didn't. No, it's a great movie. Yeah. Uh, it's all time. I, I haven't watched this for quite a while, and watching it again last night was so good. The music, characters, it's it's a great movie. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's great. It's really really good. Morgs, you got anything to add on first oh, blood? I, 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 I like sticking to the whole premise of the podcast that we uh, we, we talk about the film <laughs> and then tell everyone what we think about it. So yeah, I'll, I'll just uh, you're going to hold my, hold your cards. I'll holster my opinion, uh, like like we agreed. Okay, well, look, starring obviously starring Sylvester Stallone in one of his two life defining roles, Rambo is a one man war that you just do not want to get on the wrong side of. I read this Obviously. week. Oh, hang on. Sorry, just a, just an aside, but uh, relevant. I read this week that his missile gave him the ass after thirty years of marriage or something. This week, yes, is yes. that was Jennifer that true? Flavin. Was yeah. that true? Yeah. yeah, read that today. Apparently. I also yeah. read that it was because he of got a, a dog. A, he got a dog. Yeah. So I mean, that's that's a bit rough. Like it's it's just it was a Doberman or something like that, and he wanted a new dog, and she said, "I oh, want half your cash." So I, I, I don't know. That was that was weird, but yeah, good sort. Yeah. Back in the day, yeah, he had about forty years on her or something ridiculous. Yeah, she's she's fifty four, I think, and he's seventy six. Right at the moment, yeah. But um, how many, how many yeah, years I think, is that, I think Whitey? a lot, as Anthony Moon would say, a lot. <laughs> a no, lot he, he of got, years. He got punted. Yeah, the the new dog opened some old wounds. I think. Yeah. Uh, plus, he had a tat on his on his. Uh, right bicep of her, and then he covered over with the old dog. But remember his dog, Butkus? Butkus, yeah. Yeah. From Rocky. Yeah, so the story was that they tried to update it, and it didn't quite work. So they, you know, when he oh, when he retouched dear. it up, so he had to put the dog over it. It's the only way they could fix it. But. Well, you know why he's got that massive tat on his chest? It's because he's got, like, varicose veins all through his, like, his chest. Right. Yeah, so okay. he covered them up with. Uh, Is that just too much HGH? Possibly. He loved a bit of HCH back in the day, didn't he, old slide? Didn't he get busted? He was he got busted into, in Australia. Australia? Yeah. yeah, he brought he in illegally. Yeah. He yeah. called us backward backward uh, numbskulls because we weren't progressive enough to let him bring human growth hormone into the country. So he might have a point. We'll get to the cast with Gauss shortly, but also starring Brian Dennehy as the king shit cop, Will Teasel. Great line. Yeah, great line. And uh, Richard Krenner as the ultimately quotable Colonel Troutman. Kind of a character, isn't he? Mate, he is an absolute character. Where's a t- I've heard it on good authority from someone within the armed forces. Terrible beret wearing. Terrible? Terrible beret okay. wearing. Yeah. Look, this movie would spawn four sequels over the next 37 years, with each of them getting a little bit more ludicrous <laughs> and, going to, and going to many parts of the globe. But I must say, as much as I love First Blood, it's my favourite of, of the sequel, of all of them, of the franchise, my favourite. But God damn, that John Rambo, the fourth one, is something special. Yeah, that, but that's just super violent, right? That, that oh, movie, God. it's just full on. And, and I don't want to talk too much, and I'm absolutely certain we'll cover that. But there, there are just some quality scenes in, in that Rambo movie. Yeah. So yeah. good. Really, and love seeing that at the cinema. What a great uh, experience in the cinema. As always, it's that time where we take a minute to praise ourselves. And we've got a couple of reviews. And I've got one from a great fan, 
Damo from Redland Bay. Buffy getting ploughed for 50 minutes. Kind of want to watch it now. <laughs> I'm really enjoying listening to this crap. <laughs> oh, that sums it up. Thanks, Damo. It does. It does and sum it right up. And then again, one more that I've got who is fast. I actually think that the next two are our two greatest fans of Born to Watch. And this one's from Johnny Bull. Three weeks and 21 days. <laughs> Absolutely the best fuck up to date. A lady beside me at the lights thought I was crying in my ute on the way to work. <laughs> Five star fuckwits. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, that's excellent. Good work, Johnny. We love Johnny. Tell your mates. Tell your mates. Tell your mates, tell your mates Johnny. Pass it on. I've also, say last night, I got a message from the straight-up swim fan of Dan, the Colour Purple. Again, if if Johnny Bull's number one fan, I think that the Colour Purple is number two, and we're loving her uh, input onto the show. Now, the Colour Purple spent some time in the armed forces herself, and she sent me a note saying, I just fucking laughed and laughed at you boys. Quotable when Corey yells, you're a blood-sucking vampire, I'm telling mum. I nearly wet myself at the colour purple in the beginning. So she's loving it. And then she said, I'm searching my photos. I have a pic of me and two other girls with Stallone T-shirts when we were first in the army. We were all Stallone mad. She has since sent me the photos of her in her Stallone Rambo T-shirts. She's right over it. She was watching. She watched First Blood last night, straight after listening to The Lost Boys and hearing that First Blood was next up. She watched it last night. She's right ahead of the game. Nice work. Good on you. We love the colour purple. Love Thank the purple. What, what's, uh, is, is the colour purple uh, indicative of our audience uh, listenership? Is, would, would she be bullseye? Like a, are, we, are we playing strong with uh, ex-armed forces women with a possibly. penchant for Stallone T-shirts? What's the Possibly. I don't dive into the on-the-line stats. but um, yeah, She has... She's a huge supporter. She has shared it on her Facebook, so maybe we'll get some ex-armed forces ladies with a penchant. That's pretty hot. <laughs> so, Gal, tell us about the movie. Here we go. First came the man, a young wanderer in a fatigue coat and long hair. Nobody knew his name was Rambo. All they knew was that he was a stranger and that he looked like trouble. Rambo was trouble. The army had trained him in the art of killing, and now he did not know how to stop. This story pits a young Vietnam veteran against a small-town cop who doesn't know who he's dealing with or how far Rambo will take him in a life-and-death struggle through the woods, hills, and caves of rural America. That's the worst synopsis that I've heard. Okay. That says nothing about this movie. What do you mean he's, he's trained to kill and he can't stop? Well, this, this is actually from an early one, which covers in the book. So right. have you read the book? Yeah, I've read the book. Right. Yeah. So the book is a lot more about him being more of a psychopath. Yes. Than and and not, you know, didn't have the ending that this movie does, which we'll get into later. Yeah. But it's more about how he loses it once he gets yeah, well, poked. It's, it's it's more about the book's more about the PTSD. It really yes. dives deep into the But they poke the bear, but he kills everybody in the book, right? Yes. So yeah. it's more about that side of it. Yeah. So that's where that's where this one comes from. Yeah. So Fair that's enough. why it's did different the, to what the movie is. Did the author it, of the book 
Did he create the the slip on shoes that you used to love in the nineties, Gow? That you used to get at Payless down at the mall. <laughs> well, they, they, they rip off the, of the Merrells. They rip the off the Merrells. Yeah, yeah, the Morals. Used to, the Morals. Used yeah. to run those. The lace free olive green Merrells. So yes. he's he, he's quite diverse. Diversifies his interests. Old mm. David Merrill. Yeah, I, I used to run them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you got on now? <laughs> Gow's graduated to Crocs. <laughs> oh, mate, Crocs are cool now. Post Malone made them cool as. Post, give me a break. Stop. Let's listen to the trailer. John Rambo, a drifter, just passing through their town. Morning. Headed north or south? North. Now jump in. I'll make sure you're heading the right direction. Huh? You got some place I can eat around here? There's a diner about 30 miles up the highway. Is there any law against me getting something here? Yeah, me. I want you to book this gentleman for vagrancy, resisting arrest, carrying a concealed weapon. They knew he was innocent. I'm starting to dislike you. A lot. And they didn't give a damn. That's okay, Warren. Don't worry about the soap. He's tough. Just shave him. Crack. Don't move. I don't want you to cut your own throat. John Rambo. One man who's been pushed too far. You're finished! You've gone as far as you're gonna go! And straight for the top. Right on top of him. There's no way out of here except through us. He was hunted. Trapped. There he is! On the cliff! to fight back. Don't push it. Don't push it, I'll give you a war you won't believe. Teasel, you and all your men couldn't handle him before. Now, what makes you think you can handle him now? Because God knows what damage he's prepared to do. You don't seem to want to accept the fact that you're dealing with an expert in guerrilla warfare. Are you telling me that 200 men against your boy is a no-win situation for us? You send that many, don't forget one thing. A good supply of body bags. Sylvester Stallone. This time, he's fighting for his life. First blood. Another great 80s trailer. And that's a bit better than a synopsis, I think. Way better than the synopsis. Way better. Now, look, let's talk about how this movie rates. I know this is Morgz's favourite part, and he'll probably go on mute and not listen to anything we say here. But on IMDb, this is 7.7 out of 10. Yep, okay, I'll take it. On Rotten Tomatoes, another certified fresh film at 86% on the tomato meter and an 85% audience score. What do you think about that, Morgz? Do they have other vegetables that they use to rate things, or is it just the tomatoes? No, they, they tried gherkins, but they went with tomatoes in the end. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. IMDb, I do put a bit of faith in. You usually don't go don't go wrong if you get a, a an over seven film, although I, I told Nick Torpy it had to be over eight and he blew up deluxe. But, yeah, I, I think, yeah, IMDb sounds about right. Yeah, I think somewhere around that, well, I'm not going to give it away, but somewhere around that eight out of ten I think is quite fair for this movie. No, you, uh, what do you mean you're not going to give it away? Your, your no, I'm not going to give it away. I'm not going to give it. 
Nah, right. well, you don't know what I'm going to rate it, and I have to wait until you guys rate it before I rate it, so that I know how easy it is to divide by three. So Excellent. that gives Excellent. you time to get the phone, get the phone calculator. I've already out got too. the calculator yeah. out. I've actually bought an actual calculator this week, so I don't have to fumble with the phone. This is obviously the movie that created a franchise that would define a decade. It really did. The first three Rambo movies set the bar in the eighties for action, and as I said earlier, they got progressively crazier as they went on. Oh, didn't they? Yeah, but. Ultimately, just as enjoyable. First Blood is a lean, mean fighting machine. Again, it's a movie with zero fat on the bone. Again, another movie that I wouldn't change one scene. No, I remember it being longer. Yeah. Um, maybe because it was a younger when I watched it. 97 minutes? Yeah. It's yeah. 97 minutes. And when I was younger, I really think, thought it was, you know, it tells a story more, but it's, it's quite a quick movie when you and, get into and, it. And not only that, as a young teenager, as a teenager and as a younger man, there was that feeling of, this movie is super violent. Yeah. Right? Now, one person dies in this movie. That's it. One person dies. And it's manslaughter at best, right? He throws the rock at the helicopter. The guy falls out. The guy's leaning out the side. Yeah, the guy's leaning out the side trying to, trying to kill him. Like, it's, it's not – Rambo doesn't murder him, but, you know, there's one person that dies. That's it. I know. I, I just remember being a kid and watching this, and when he when he takes his shirt off and he's got the scars all over him and, and the flashback yeah. scenes, oh, I remember just thinking, how this is full on. How good like, are the flashback scenes? Yeah, that's brutal, isn't it? Yeah. So, Gal, why don't you tell us a bit about the cast? We've already talked about Sly being in it. I mean, this was after Rocky, which, he, you know, that's where he really hit his straps. Do you know where he got his start? Have you heard about Rocky's uh, Sly Stallone's first he did movie? Not, Night Moves on Foxtel. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It, it was a softcore porno called The Party at Kitty and Studs in 1970, which got re-released to The Italian Stallion, got renamed <laughs> The Italian Stallion after he became famous. And then there was a sequel, um, Mr. Goodbar. We'll get to that. <laughs> There's one degree to Mr. Goodbar in this movie. Oh, yeah. oh, right, okay. But he was paid 200 bucks to play a sex-craved gigolo in that movie. Wow. So here's, here's the plot of that movie. I just, Please do. I saw yeah. this. Please do. He was stud in this movie. Kitty and Stud are lovers. They enjoy a robust sex life, which includes fellatio and light SM. <laughs> Specifically, Stud belt whipping Kitty. Three women come up for a party and Stud services them, one after the other. <laughs> Is that it? Oh, there's more. I won't go. Oh, into no, that you don't need it. to. No. You don't need to. But that was his that was Sly's first movie, 1970. Robust I remember sex when, life. I remember when I was offered a service. In the woods on the common in the in the UK when I was absolutely blind and did the run what? from the train and ended up in the woods. That was freaky. Yeah, what 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 were you doing in the woods when you got offered that service, Dan? Well, I was looking for a, a, a facilities, a, a toilet block, uh, deep in the woods. And I did have my pants around my ankles ready to uh to, to take a dump. And uh so yeah, I'm I'm sure the, the the, the apparition that came out of the uh, out of the bushes thought that it, she was quite well within her rights to ask if I wanted a service, but anyway, I digress. Right. Okay. Well, that that will teach you to run away from your mates on a train. Oh, but it was the, the best. Uh, you know. Oh, do you, do you, no, hang on. Do you know what's the best? Do you know what's the best? Talking about you guys traveling. We haven't done it for a whole podcast. This we is got, the best. We got, we got I'll so tell you much. what, you better fucking brace oh, yourself. We get so much, so much with this podcast, but please go on. Anyway, back to Let's wow. go back to Sly. Back to Sly. 
Uh, 76 in Rocky, Rocky 279. He was in Nighthawks. Great movie, Rooker Howe. Yeah. Billy D. Williams. Dick De Silva, 81. Yeah, that's who he played. Oh, yeah. it's insane. He's got such a good beard. Such a good beard. Mm, he goes, does uh, good beard. Mate, 81, he was in Escape to Victory. Have you guys seen that? Great movie. Cracking yeah, movie. Michael Love Kane. that movie. Yeah. Pele. Pele. And all, the, mm. all those ex-soccer stars yeah. were in it. Max von yeah. Sido. Yeah, good yeah. movie. And I did not realize this, but 82 was First Blood, and so was Rocky Three. Yeah. They did that in the same year. I, yeah. I just always thought that that was a different time frame. always thought Rocky Three was after that, but. Rocky Three Is Rocky yeah. Three the best of the Rockies? Yeah, could that, be up there. That, yeah. That's a discussion for another podcast. That, we could have a whole discussion on all, all yeah. of those. Yeah. Uh, and then he did then he did probably his best work in eighty four alongside Dolly Parton in Rhinestone. Oh, did his own singing too. You're yeah. right up there with Clean Eastwood and paint your wagon. <laughs> but uh yeah. <laughs> that was a great song. But then Simpsons look the let's not go through it. The Tango and Cash, all the Rocky movies, Stop on Mum will shoot, another high point for him. <laughs> Oscar, um, Oscar, another high point. He did. Do you know what Copland. he was really good in? Copland. What? Yeah, uh, Cop. I was just going to say that. Oh, sorry, and, uh, No, no, but he's, he was in Copland. He only got paid apparently $60,000 to do that because he was trying to. He was trying to break out. Break out yeah. and become a serious actor. Yeah. Freddie Heflin. Plays yeah. uh, Freddie Heflin. Great movie. Super yeah. cast. James Mangold directs it. It's a super movie. Yeah. The late, great really Ray Liotta. Yes, yeah. Harvey Keitel. Yeah, yeah really good flick. Yeah. Worth a revisit, yeah, really that good. one, for sure. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Another good one about Sly. I got another point here. Was yeah. In 2005, he, he launched his own magazine. It was called... Sly Moves. Sly. <laughs> um, came out monthly. He was on the cover of every magazine, wrote most of the articles, <laughs> and interviews himself. Interviews himself. Sorry, wrote Slide most of the interviews himself. Oh, right, wrote right. them himself, not of himself. Oh my but God. I'm pretty sure he was the main character in. Oh, for sure. Sly on Sly. Yeah. <laughs> the best. I, I got to say, he was a control freak, and I think it was his undoing in the end. Like he wanted to do, he wanted to be all to everyone and do everything. Yeah, I think that was his undoing. But anyway. Yeah. He did a full frontal nude scene for Demolition Man. Oh, when it was fro- when he was in, probably in the cry. Yeah, quite a, yeah, it might have been at the start. I've got to say, it's it's hard for me to go past Sly as one of my favourite all-time actors. Yeah, he's and unreal. I, I love him. He's so good. And I'm going to shout out to Goobs here, Adam G. Huge Sly fan. Huge Sly. Probably the biggest Sylvester Stallone fan I know. Absolutely loves him. Huge bromance with him. It's crazy. Right. And... This is a real movie too. Goobs would love it. This is a real movie. This is a Gabbera movie. Good on you, cowboy. Yeah. Who's next? Brian Dennehy is up next. Had a couple of early roles on Kojak and Serpico. Bit of one-off. His first movie, he played a surgeon. Guess what it was? His first movie. His first movie was a surgeon, isn't it? We've already talked about it tonight. Oh, really? It's in that porno? No. Looking for Mr. Goodbar. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Mate, it's one degree to Mr. Goodbar, I'm telling you. Maybe we, then maybe we need to bring that in. <laughs> it might be. But he was also in Semi-Tough with Burt Reynolds and Chris Christopherson. That was a really good movie. Yeah. I haven't seen that forever, but I remember it being really good. That's a football movie. Obviously, First Blood, Gorky Park. He was in Cocoon, one of his bigger roles. Hello, Damaster. Down to Gorky, Gorky Park. Park. Listening to the wind of change. 
this is why our podcasts are 90 minutes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, return to Snowy River. He was Harrison in that presumed yes. innocent. And he was in Romeo and Juliet. Hang on. We're forgetting FX with Brian oh, yeah. Brown. Oh, what a freaking great movie. Yeah. Real good FX movie. and FX2, great yeah. movies. They really got- tried to break Brian Brown in Hollywood with his fucked up Aussie accent. And, it, yeah, I mean, we we all love the movies, but I'm not sure it translated so well to the international Yeah, he, he came across, it was really brash. Mm. It's, it seemed like they were really forcing it on us. Like even if you jarring. think about Cocktail. Yeah. yeah if in Cocktail, it's really jarring. Mm. And then again, like he, they even later on when he's in that he's in a long came Polly with Ben Stiller and Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yes, plays yes. The, the squillionaire the trying to yeah, yeah, yeah trying the squillionaire is trying to ensure again super ochre like mm. Crocodile Dundee kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I like Brian Brown. I think he's oh, same, uh, same. I think he's I think brilliant. He's great. Yeah, he's unreal. Yeah, unreal. Yeah. He's fan. so good in Cocktail. Oh, he's good. Breaker Morant, great in that. Oh, I Brian love Coughlin. Breaker Morant. Good Breaker Morant, actually. Great movie. Yeah. yeah. Shoot straight, you bastards. bastards. Yeah. Oh. Cracking Woodward. ending. Yeah, great movie. Yeah. So, but Brian Dennehy started acting first movies at the age, or first acting at the age of 39. How old do you reckon he was in this movie? 50. 42. 44. Wow. Oh, he's younger, younger than us. Yeah. Wow. He looks a thousand. Yeah. I tell you what, he looked a thousand when he died, the poor fella. Yeah. yeah. He, was, he was a massive alcoholic. Oh, yeah, yeah, 44. So he'd only been acting for five years, got into it late, but... Uh, king shit cop. Yeah, king shit cop. He's good in this movie too. Mate, he was he is excellent. I talk a bit about him in Good Bad, but... Yeah, me yeah, too. Yeah, he's, he's fantastic in this. I can't believe he'd only been doing it for four years. That That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Next up, we've got Richard Krenner. He actually came late to this movie because he was cast really late. Have you guys across that? A little bit. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. Apart from being in First Blood, this was really his first big role. Um, he was in The Flamingo Kid uh, and The Rambo movies. He was in Leviathan. Oh, God, that's a bad movie. Yeah, and he was in Hot Shots Part 2. <clears throat> but he's been in heaps of TV movies. Mate, he's in Murder, She Wrote. Murder, She Wrote. I think he's been in Simon she... and Simon. Oh, there's no doubt. There's no Hardcastle doubt. and McCormick. He would have been on there for sure. A-Team. <laughs> the A-Team. Probably... A few of them were in the A-Team. He was Murdoch's dad. Mate. He did a bit of jobbing after that. He was jobbing. a jobber. He was a mass jobber. Yeah. Yeah. But again, like, Almost steals the movie, I reckon, Troutman. He's he's great as well. He's yeah. such, so corny, but so it's, good. It's really corny, isn't His it? His delivery yeah. is, it's Nick Cage-like. It's so on the edge. On the edge of being over the top, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, correct. Yeah. There's one more, Gal. There's... And you've got to ask a question here. I know you do. And you better ask Dan. What's the question? Is it a cameo? <laughs> <laughs> Is it a cameo, well, Gal? Ask da- David Caruso. <laughs> David Caruso's in this, Morks. Is it a cameo? Now, yeah, it's on the tip of Gal's tongue. Made made more money, made more fame in, in his later roles in TV. This is his first role. Is his, his, da- his, his hair is fluorescent red in this film. Yes. It is, yes. It is strikingly Scottishly red. Can, can um, I just but, pose a quick Go, oh, sorry, go more. Oh, no, I was just going to cut, cut off the cameo question. Of course, fucking not. No, of course it's not. Of course it's not, but we had to ask. Now, I'm just going to, well, just off the cuff here, ask a question about David Caruso. Did he make the dumbest decision in all of Hollywood? Yes. Leaving NYPD Blue? Well, is it, yes. is it hand, I, I think, hands down, the dumbest decision in the history of Hollywood. I get I it, I think though, he's come out and said that, yeah. 
Yeah, but, but, but back then there was such the distinction between TV actors and movie actors. 100%. He just thought it was a step up to go and do Jade or whatever he did out of NYPD. <laughs> well, he did Jade. Did. Yeah, he did yeah. Jade, which was terrible. And, oh, yeah, man. he just I think that was the only that was your only progression. You, you weren't going parallel across to another TV show to make it. He just thought, I've got to do this to become a movie star. And, yes, in hindsight, he should have stayed getting the absolute big freight on uh, on the NYPD wedge, but yeah, balls it up massively. Yeah, no, not he's a great. St- he still he still came back, but that's where he's found his niche when he was on CSI. I mean, he's been on three CSI. Yeah, and with his corny one liners, so and he, with his glasses, his niche, the yeah. glasses, the turn, yeah. the head tilt, and take the glasses off. But mate, yeah, first blood, an officer and a gentleman. He was in that as a young bloke. Topper yeah. Daniels. He was in some good TV shows. He was in Chips and TJ Hooker, uh, Hooker. two favourites. Mate, have, you, have, you, have you watched any TJ Hooker lately? Like, no. I'll tell you what, do yourself a favour, both of you. Here's some homework for Born to Watch. Is in the next week, a little, is he a little overweight in TJ Hooker? A little yeah. overweight, mm. and it is incredible. You absolutely need to get onto YouTube and watch some episodes of TJ Hooker. You'll be blown away. Mate. How good, what a good show. Awesome. Adrian's Med. Oh, God. Awesome. Bachelor Party. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's coming soon. That's coming soon. Now listen, I've got one more one more person in the movie. Doesn't have a huge role, but his name's Bill McKinney. Bill McKinney, yeah. Now Bill McKinney played the he's the, head the cop, of the, the he's state trooper, the state trooper, head of the state trooper, right? That Dave that he that he talks to in the in the tent when they come yep. out of the mountain. So, do you know what Bill McKinney is fav- famous for as a role? I know his face, and I'm going to go, "Oh my god!" When you tell me, Morgs, do you know? No, I I also know his right. face, so I'm looking forward to this. I'm I'm going to. He's in a you, western. I'm going to give you. Four words. Yeah. Squeal like a pig. Oh, deliverance. Oh. He's the one of the, he's 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 one of the two guys. Yep. He's one of the two yeah, guys. He's one of the two yeah. guys. Right. Yeah. So that was what, nineteen seventy two? God, where are you? Yeah. So there was Herbert Coward, who was his right, the other guy. Right, yeah. So yeah, that, look, I only brought him up because that he was in Thunderbolt and Lightfoot. He was in the Outlaw Josie Wales. He was in I, I remember he, him he from Josie Wales. Outlaw yeah. Josie Wales, definitely he's the baddie. He did a lot of stuff with Clint Eastwood. He was in both every which way but loose any which way you can. But I just bring that up because that's such a role. He was actually looked at. Stanley Kubrick wanted him for the role of the drill instructor in Full Metal Jacket. Yeah, and I can then, see that. And then Liam, when he, Liam, he he was about to fly to London to meet him, but then then Kubrick went, "No, I can't. I can't meet that guy. Like it's it's too full on. Yeah, it's too brutal. He's gonna bang. He's gonna try and bang him. <laughs> so um, yeah, yeah that's too terrifying. So he he brushed it. Yeah. And it went yeah. up to what to Ali Ermi after Ali Ermi. Well, yeah, actually, Ali went to Ermi. someone else. Oh, did it? Actually, went to someone else, and that guy's actually in the movie. He's the uh, he's the the doorway gunner in the helicopter when he's shooting all the right. the, the guys running through the rice paddies it and the path. And he he was actually the he was actually cast, and Ali Ermi was the uh, oh yeah he was a he was he the was guy who set, was overseeing. He? he was overseeing because yeah. he's an actual drill instructor. Yeah, and they saw him do stuff, and they were go oh, maybe we'll just have this guy. Do it because he's way better. Yeah, yeah. So, it should have gone yeah. to Inspector Todd. Oh, <laughs> Inspector Todd, Private Powell, yeah. I'm sick of your bullshit. <laughs> you still, you still got a little bit of ass there. <laughs> no good, Inspector Todd. Oh, oh, so good, so good. All right, G. What's next? Well, we've been through David Morrell as the writer of the book. Yep. It was directed by Ted Kotcheff, yep. who did Uncommon Valor, Weekend at Bernie's. The shooter with Dolph Lundgren, not much else than yeah. that. So we can yeah. we can gloss over that. Yeah. But the year was nineteen eighty two. Got a few things for you here, boys. Nineteen eighty two. What were you doing? Well, I was seven. Not a lot. Yeah, not a lot. 
I wouldn't have I seen was, this at the movies. I was doing plenty. I was. Uh, this will be I was in Miss, Mrs. Johnson. Here we grade go. Grade two class at Dornburn Primary School on the the southeastern suburbs of Melbourne. I was elite level for AFL basketball, cricket, and hockey. Um, yeah, I, I I got really sick uh, in grade one, and all of my classmates drew a picture to, to show me that Hilal Laz put a Spitfire on Nick DiPietro's arm and stung him, and they all drew it on on various uh, crayon versions of poor old Nick DiPietro copping it from a Spitfire. So yeah, it's a pretty good year. I, movies though. I, I think the only the only movie that sticks out for me seeing at the cinema that year was Fantasia, which is fairly right. trip fairly trippy kids cartoon. Yeah, the Disney. Um, yeah, Walt Disney. But that, I was thinking, what else? Because E.T. was what eighty three. No, E.T. is eighty two. Sorry, mate. Okay, 82. I would have seen E.T. at the cinema as well. Yeah, then, as well, I saw so. E.T. at Colleroy Cinema. I Did remember you? watching it at Colleroy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did Roy Mustaka own Colleroy one then? <laughs> Probably. I think he actually came and said, yes, I love you, E.T. Yeah. Did he say, welcome he said, to E.T.? <laughs> he said, E.T. phone home. Do you, I'll let you know a secret here. So I, I, out of the three of us, would you say, and I don't want to preempt anything, would you say I'm the one that's probably the biggest movie guy here out of the three of us? You like the most shit movies, yes. Yes, okay, <laughs> perfect. That's what I was looking for. I did not see E.T. till I was 19. Wow. That's and unbelievable. You know, and do you know why I did not see E.T. till I was 19? For the same because reason over- you haven't watched Breaking Bad or seen all The no. Wire. You just get no. these absolute blank spots in your viewership <laughs> that just don't equip you no, to on. be a world-class critique. I, I, have seen, I have seen E.T. now, and I've probably made up for lost time with it as well, but I did not see E.T. because E.T. overtook Star Wars as greatest box office taker. And I was so pissed off oh, at ET really? that I refused to watch the fucking movie. Okay, that's that's a good reason. All right, that's, that's stay strong. Yeah, there we go. That's it. I mean, other, let's let's go through some movies. And Tootsie, An Officer and a Gentleman, Gandhi, which won everything yep. that year. Everything it won. I think eight best picture, best director, best actor, best screenplay. Sophie's Choice, Mel Street, best actress. Brutal. Rocky Three, Poltergeist, Porky's, great all time movie. That's a big favourite of yours, Gal. Yeah, love it. Not sure it stood the test of time, but anyway. <laughs> uh, 48 Hours. Great movie. Blade Runner. Great movie. Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Tron. Well, that's that's, that's Solo movies, Pod. Both of them. Yeah. Dan, yeah. Dan Solo Pod for Fast Times at Ridgemont. Everyone Man out from there, Snowy River. You can tune into the Solo Pod in the coming weeks. Uh, it'll be nice. absolutely mind blowing. Man from Snowy River is a good Australian movie. It's an awesome movie. movie. I think we spoke about Man from Snowy River, but I saw that at Hoyt's Twin with my dad. Really? No shit. Yeah, Yeah, wow, that's awesome. Because I think we talked about it on the Thing podcast, Brady 2, and and Tom Burleson used to come in the video shop. Oh, really? I've I've been up in the high country with the Brumbies, and they are scary, scary beasts to this day. They don't give – I've been on there on on my dirt bike, and you would think that any animal would just – Rear and get away from me, just cutting absolutely sick on my dirt squirter. But they just eyeball you and flare their nostrils and just go, little pea man. I can see you riding it like a man, but you don't intimidate me. So yeah, I'm really good at dirt bikes. <laughs> They're the only things that have seen you ride it like a man, mate. <laughs> you are one of the three worst motorbike riders. Well, I, if, I as long as you're the boys. worst. 
No, and I am the worst. I am the worst. Oh, Barley's never Barley, seen better. Barley's never seen better. Oh, Barley's wow. never seen better. Oh, one of the greatest stories ever. I'm lucky to be here. I'm lucky to be here. I was nearly a statistic. The guy that owned the bike didn't think you were. Mate, the guy who had the bike gone. had a heart attack. Anyway, one more movie that year, which probably tops all of them, and it stars Adrian Zmed. Grease 2. Oh. oh. Hit movie. Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah. 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 And Adrian yeah. Smith. And one of the worst follow-up movies you'll ever see. Yeah. It's funny awful. because obviously uh, RIP Olivia Newton-John, there's been a lot of news about Grease in the news lately. Yep. And the talk has always gone, then always goes to Grease 2. There's been a lot of people coming out of the woodwork going about how good it is. And I oh, think they're all God. idiots. Yeah. It's awful. bad. Yeah. It's not great. I had when I had the video shop. I had a couple of people that would come in religiously to to either hire or talk about Grease Two. Again, it was very similar to the Twilight Hirers, where I just flashed them on my bald head and hope they had late. Take their freight, take their freight, and hope they forgot they hired it. Exactly right. Speaking of speaking of eighty two, some some great songs in that year. Oh yes, going back to going back to Olivia Newton John. One of the top songs, physical, physical, what physical eighty two, water film, clip. and and one out of this genre, Eye of the Tiger, of course, survives. Oh, cracking song Still to holds, this day, to this day, yeah. to this day. Joan Jett and the Blackhearts. You know what song that is? Is it I Love Rock and Roll? Yes, yeah. well done. Oh, how good, well I? done. Yeah, Paul McCartney, Ebony and Ivory, one of your oh, favourites. And Robert shout Jackson. out, yeah, shout out to the Barrel Buyers Agent. Yeah, shout out. I've seen many a uh, many a karaoke. We've sung that a couple of times that, yeah, up there. The G-Man and, uh, and Barrel Bora. Good flick. The Jay Giles Band. Yeah. Oh, Centerfold. Centerfold. Yeah, 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 cracker. And then a couple of really good ones. John Cougar, Jack and Diane. I love that song. And Hurt So Good. Yeah. Johnny Cougar. Steve Miller Band, Abracadabra. Ooh. Abra, Abracadabra. Oh, and one of your favorites, Whitey, hard to say I'm sorry, Chicago. Oh. One of the greats. Hall of Oats, I can't go for that. I can't, I can't go, go for, that. for that. How's good a Hall of Oats? The oh, best. They're awesome. They're amazing. Awesome. amazing. So good. Amazing. But yeah, big year 82. That was the year that Ozzy Osbourne bit the head off a, off the, the bat, bat on stage. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a lunatic. Prince William was born 82. Big year. Yeah. Well done, gal. Well done. Yeah, right. that's good. I'm sorry. I'm stuck in a nostalgia trip at the moment. Just, uh, yeah. I'll be out for a couple of minutes. Yeah. Why don't you tell us about the gross? I will tell you about the gross. First Blood grossed $125 million worldwide. Oh, what was the budget? It was, and that's just $51 million domestically in the US and Canada against a $15 million budget. Yeah. That's how big this movie was in 82. It's massive. Anything yeah, over huge. $100 million is, yeah. in 82 is oh, phenomenal. Huge. Phenomenal. Top the box office for three weeks in a row. And 6.6 million opening weekend is the best October opening of all time. Oh, sorry, at the time. Yeah. Is it R rating, I'm guessing? Yes, I yes, believe it was. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Went massive in China too and was the highest, had the highest ticket sales for a foreign Hollywood film up until 2018. In right. China? Yeah. In wow. China, yeah. Massive, massive movie. I mean, if we look at the biggest movie was E.T. at the worldwide box office was... 796. Wow. Tootsie was 177. Officer and Gentleman, 129. Gandhi, 127. First Blood, 125. So 
Rocky Rocky Three was one twenty five as well. So yeah. hang on, you're telling me that ET did six times more the next best movie. About Domestic it. box office for for ET was four hundred four four hundred thirty nine million. People wow. saw ET four, five, six times. Yeah, Multiple absolutely. times. What a, was, what a great yeah. movie. It was amazing. There was a, one of the great uh, cinema experiences of my life in 82. I thought most people didn't see it until they were 19. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. All right. Well, enough about that. So over and under. I'm going to set the bar pretty high here. I'd be interested to see what you say. This movie is 40 years old. I'm saying over and under 60. I'm over 60. I, I reckon I've got to be. I've seen this movie so many I times. I reckon you would be, yeah. yeah got to be. I reckon got to be. be. It's 40 years old, this movie. Yeah. Morgs, what do you reckon? I can't. I see you thinking. Yeah, I don't think I'm over 60. I don't know where this was in my view. I've obviously seen it many times, but I don't. it doesn't strike me as something I've seen that many times. So I'm going to say under. Hold on, Morgs. This isn't one of the four that was in your rotation? No, what not in it? my four. Not in my four. Oh, really? This must be the first week. Yeah, yes. most most weeks they're in my four. For the last 10. The there's last been, 13 weeks, been 14. every film's been in the four. There's been 14 so. in his top four. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to okay, Damo. Question. Good on your demo. Okay, question time. Is Rambo Stallone's most iconic character? Well, it's only Ooh. one of two. Yeah. I'm going to say no. Jeez, that's tough. Yeah. No, I'd, I'd say Rocky. Yeah, I'd go, yeah, go with I Rocky. Stallone. Yeah, yeah. I, I think Rocky's his most iconic. Definitely. Definitely. Okay, well done. I would say this this as an opening movie is better than Rocky as an opening movie, although I did oh, like them I both. I don't, I don't think so. I think Rocky's a better movie than yeah. this. I like. I really like this movie. I love this movie, but I think that, yeah, well, I don't know. Is that despite the Rocky. Academy Award? I think Rocky's a better movie than this. So okay. I just I just did Sick Boy in Trainspotting for you and neither of you picked up on it. Fuck off. <laughs> Sorry, mate. Gal and I were having a conversation in the studio. I thought he put you on mute. Yeah, I hope. Okay. I know we may cover this a bit later, but what the hell was Teasel's problem with Rambo in the first place? Right. So you've read the book. Yeah. So this was that, and if you notice, this Teasel was a Korean War veteran. And if you notice when he goes back into his office after he comes down out of the mountain the first time and sits in his office, his medals are behind him on the shelf. But the whole point was, which they cut out of the movie, was that the Korean War veterans didn't get like they'd been forgotten by this stage, and the Vietnam vets were. But they, be, the Vietnam vets were forgotten as well. Well, not forgotten, but they copped a lot more grief. But but his whole his whole issue was that he, you know, this guy had been to the Vietnam War and he didn't get. But it's never explained. You know what I mean? Like no. it's, I think it's got to be a huge leap to look up and go. Well, he was a war vet. Wouldn't there be some sort of respect there? Well, I think the movie just cut that out yeah. because the original of this movie was three and a half hours long. I'd love to see a three and a half hour. And cut and, this movie. and apparently Sly said Sly said, "I hate this. It makes me sick." Like and didn't want to release it. And they cut it down to ninety seven, yeah. and and they were really happy with it. But he, yeah, he wasn't he wasn't happy with it at all. So I think there's a lot that obviously gets cut out. Okay, you know what? Right the I, I'm with Teasel on this because as a member of Generation X, we're, we're the Korean War of of generational people because gen x is just forgotten we just get on with it no one no one really talks about us we just we just we just do our own thing we move up to the land we we become pastoralists but the boomers i mean the boomers cop all the shit for raping they the do cop and, all the shit taking all the freight and then all the millennials they their avocado toast and and you know waste all their freight and 
don't really like to work and want a promotion after two weeks and stuff. And yeah, we, we just we're just forgotten Gen X. So yeah, we're the Korean War fighters of our day. Yeah. Okay. Well played. Nice. Nice. Nice morgues. Okay. The National Guard. Are they as hopeless as what they're made out in most movies? Oh. The National Guard is shit house. In saying that, I think all three of us have just probably watched Trainwreck, the Woodstock '99 doco. Yes, and they seem pretty fucking badass Mate, in that they, movie. They, they came it. in like, yeah, they came in like the German bloody stormtroopers yeah. and just cleaned house in, in yeah. Woodstock. Stormtroopers, exactly. Yes, I, I think. But then, the, the, the terrible in Generation Kill, as remember, that's uh, when yes, they, when yes. they, there's a brigade of them that come up on. The, the Generation Kills company and, and they're particularly shit house as well. So I think it's a, a reasonably common trope about the National Guard being particularly poor. But uh, no, I, yeah, if you look you look at the Woodstock guys, they nah. were pretty quick with their batons. Mate, they took no shit. <laughs> they took no shit. They whipped <laughs> them right in the, in the shape. Whipped yeah. them right in the shape. In saying that, those poor fuckers, they were in no shape. For oh, anything, man. yeah. On that they Sunday ready night, to take it on. On yeah. that Sunday night, they were done. They were oh, we we spoke about this last week, didn't we? You've got to watch that uh, Woodstock '99 doco. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, no, I'm with you. The, the National Guard are set up as comedic foils often, but uh, yeah, not quite sure where they uh, where they sit. So let's slide into the categories, and we'll start with the good, the bad, the ugly, where we talk about the stuff that we thought was good about the movie the stuff that we thought was bad about the movie, and surprisingly, the stuff we thought was ugly. And I reckon we're going to start with Gao today. What you got for the good, mate? For the good, I mean, obviously the whole movie's good, and I, I just really love the scene in the mountains when they first when they first chase him into the mountains. I, I remember watching that On as a bike. kid. Yeah, so and after they get up there, when it gets to yeah. when the storm comes in, yeah. and they're in the mountains, and they're, you know, they're saying, you know, we're hunting him, he's like, they're not hunting him. He's hunting He's us. Hunting us. Yeah. And the you know, and the dogs go, and you hear the dogs get taken out, and then he shoots them in the leg, and then he takes them all down one by one. I just remember watching that, thinking about going, oh, this is so tense and so. You know, I love that scene. Yeah, it's I think it's really good. I think the only thing I think for me was because his character's so quiet. You know, he's that doesn't have much dialogue in the movie, but when he when he's trying to jump off the cliff and he slides down and, you know, the screams when he's like, oh, it's so real. Yeah. And when he jumps in the tree and hurts himself, you know, th- those yelps of pain to me, so realistic. Yeah. Well, that, a real person did that. Okay. Like a real person jumped. Like wow. that's a real person. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, but just, just that sound, like his sound, it's that, that guttural scream, I, I really, yeah, that realism for me was like, you know, real movie. Yeah, real movie. Yeah, can I? I, I feel just, the dreams. Let me pause you there. At that, those mountains, we had a pretty – Close up look of of those mountains, didn't we? Because we've actually yeah. been to to Hope. We did the pilgrimage to Hope, especially because we were big fans of this movie, and uh, we've actually been there a couple of times. So, what what's your memories of Hope? Oh, I loved. It. I remember we were looking for the police station in there. We were, yeah, we trying we, to find, trying to we find. I mean, it was years. It was years after that, but yeah, we were scaring around. And I mean, Hope's not a huge town, but it is cut down there between the mountains. It's such a picturesque place to be i mean so we went for, through there a few times we were a few times there weren't we more we did and for, for everyone at home um spoiler alert but it's not it is there's a lot of speculation that hope is in the pacific northwest of the states because it's it's obviously filmed as if it's a um it's a, it's a u.s town but it's actually in british columbia in canada 
So it's over the border and it was shot over there because it was cheaper to film essentially because uh, they gave tax breaks to producers. So a little bit of a film inside the knowledge for you there. But, but they, they, yeah, they said it at, in Hope, Washington though, didn't they? That's Which right. is not too far. Like Washington just, no. not too far away. Just, but... I, I just need to clarify something here. Yeah. Did, did you guys do some travelling together? <laughs> yeah. And yes. to have been to the to the place where this film, this iconic, okay. would, have you got anything else? Has been, you'd have, have you to got call, anything else? I'd say that we, you'd have to call us <laughs> true movie fans to make that pilgrimage. And every, anyone yeah. that didn't had the chance to make that pilgrimage and didn't, you would question their movie fandom. But no, I think that's about it. You would. Okay, have you got anything else? Yeah. No, I'll, I'll sit there for now. Okay, Morgs, what do you got? Yeah, I had a couple of things. So I really like the escape from the jail lockup. That scene, yeah. and when he, oh, he, he comes it. out and steals the motorbike, I think that love that it. is just fantastic. The way how good's, con- the, how good's the shimmy he does the in the middle shimmy. of the road? I was exactly thinking about the shimmy, but yeah. it's brilliant body acting. Like he doesn't say a word, <laughs> and yet it's just fantastic. There was a bit of a head it reminded me on the touch footy field. Like you didn't know if I was going left or right. Uh, yeah. It was it was a fantastic <laughs> faint. You didn't know either. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's that's just a brilliant, a brilliant action scene. But just, just on that scene though, how good is the bit when he's getting fingerprinted, oh, and then he yeah. tries to clean his fingers yeah, of yeah. the ink? Don't you, <laughs> don't you do that? Like I just, and he's just, he's brilliant. It's he's a, it's so a good really that whole jailhouse scene is really good. And then uh, yeah. my my other good was uh, unashamedly a fan of Brian Dennehy in this movie. I just think he's fantastic. He plays he's a well. great character. He's, he's not like so the the copper that died when he fell out of the out of the, the helicopter. Yeah. yeah, he was just pure evil. Like there was no yeah. arc to his character, or whatever. He was just an absolute f wit. And the then man said, clean Brian, him up. But Brian Dennehy was obviously an antagonist to, to Sly's character, but there there was definitely he had a lot more depth to his character, and it was uh, what you felt like he was. He thought he was doing the right thing by, by keeping people out of his small town and you kind of understood what, the motivations for his character. And I think Brian Denny, he just played it amazingly. And to hear that he was, A, 44 years old and looked 100 mm-hmm. and B, only four years into his acting career, I, I just think they're incredible. Yeah, I, I agree. He, he wasn't an out-and-out bad character. No. He, was, he had his good points. And you're right, he was, he, he was on the wrong side, but, but you could see he, you know, he had his good points. Have you yeah. got anything for good, Whitey? Yeah, I've got a few things for good. I've got about 30 points, actually. Uh, <laughs> speed points. Speed points. Rambo's jacket. Love it. Awesome. Love the yeah, jacket. Awesome. Lost it we've early, all, too. We've all, we've all had a uh, army jacket yeah. in our life. Love the jacket. Rambo. Absolutely yep. love the jacket. Oh, you had one that you loved, didn't you? Oh, Not only I, that. I wore it all the time. Next level, on, on jackets, love Teasel's jacket. Yeah. yeah. The sheepskin. The sheepskin. Also, oh, excellent. Mate, what yeah, a jacket. I've had one of those as well. What a jacket. Fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Sly is an actor. Yeah, you mentioned before how he's very quiet, but there's he's got a he's got amazing range in this film, and you can see from the first scene when he goes down to Delmar Barry's place and he talks to his wife and just that the whole change in his demeanor, where he's he's full of hope, you know, no pun intended. He wants to see his mate, and he goes there, he finds out that he's dead, and just you can see his heartbreak on the spot. It's he's a much better actor than what he's given credit for. Sylvester so oh, Stallone. The, the final scene. Yeah, that that, that that breakdown scene. Yeah, that is incredible. And he he fought to get that in the movie. They yeah, didn't want that. Yeah, that is incredible. But that is that is amazing. That makes the movie. You know, like- actually got a message from uh, another great fan from across the Dutch uh, in New Zealand, uh, Adam Strang, and he was said that exact thing. He watched uh, first but a couple of weeks ago and said the the end monologue from Sylvester Stallone is next level. I agree. He, he's so good in this film. 
I had the PlayStation scene. Troutman, I had ultimately quotable. And just to blow a bit of sunshine up you guys' uh, asses, the town of hope. Like, what a place. That that bridge when he's coming in, the mountains, the backdrop, everything, right? Stunning. Everything. Stunning. Again, I've got Brian Dennehy, so good, just next level. And how could – I think you've more than mentioned it, Gal, but the traps. The traps that he sets. In the oh, woods. yeah, yeah. Like – and that set in place a trope for every Rambo movie where there was oh. traps. What about when he when he gets the sticks through the legs? Mate, it's the spikes. Oh, mate, it's just so Will! Yeah. Will! It's like, it's like, it was like the horizontal punji sticks. Yeah, yeah. Oh. It's like they're all crying for their dad too, aren't they? They're all like, yeah. Will! Yeah. And I love it just when he gets Teasel and just yep. has, you know. Let it go. Let it go. Yeah. Mate, this movie you. is so good. So good. Yeah. That's about it. That's all I've got. I love the movie. The whole movie's good. What do we got for bad? Uh, Morgs? Let's start with Morgs. Uh, a couple of things for bad that just stood out for me. The cave scene when he's uh, he goes into the mine and the National Guard are there ready to blow him to uh, kingdom come. He uh, he escapes into the interior of the cave and he's in, in the water with the rats. With the rats. He's oh. wearing a uh, a piece of canvas. Hessian bag. Hessian bag, yeah. yeah, and tied with a rope. That water, what, having been to Hope and knowing how cold it is at street level, that water would have been oh. absolutely freezing glacial water. He would have had hypothermia within 17 seconds. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And it also, that whole scene brought back some PTSD of my own. I went caving at uni in my incredible uni course. And I, I'm not, a, I, I've, I've never been that proud of myself that I've done anything brave, but I, I'm, I found out that I was claustrophobic 30 metres underground in a cave where yeah, I, got, I got caught there yeah, crawling through this cave system. And I was absolute, that's the scaredest I've ever been. It's literally the bravest thing I've ever done. And and not a great time to discover the claustrophobia, but yeah, that that brought back flashbacks of how shit cave systems are. And uh, but yeah, I'm not buying that. Sly made it out of that; he would have died in that water. Um, you're pretty, then, you're pretty brave, Morks. Didn't you jump off the blowhole that time? No, that's <laughs> no, I never did that. No, he didn't. No, 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 he did not. No, I, I, I may do it in the future, but no, I haven't done it yet. And uh, <laughs> yeah, you might, you might. The um, the, the only other thing that I'll, I've got in bad is. I think when he steals the truck at the end or towards the end, when we get into the yeah. final the final third, um, and there's that the sort of uh, the comedic moments when he tells old mate to watch the road because that's how our accident happened. I just yeah. it, I felt it was it was it was just out of character. It didn't need it. The movie didn't need it. It wasn't any. And it obviously in in follow up movies, there's the the calls where he drops it. It's a big um, a big point of Arnold Schwarzenegger movies where he drops the the funny one line. It's like it just felt. Like it was, it wasn't part of this movie. This movie's too serious, too yeah. dramatic. wasn't necessary. So I, I, that just struck out as bad to me. And obviously, I'm being very picky, but yeah, I, it yeah. was not necessary and off character. Gal, yeah, what about you, mate? Well, I'm going to roll into that, Morgs, because that's that's a couple of the or the bad point for me is when he's in that truck, he jumps in the truck, he takes off, he comes to the blockade. And there's they set up five cop cars <laughs> around him, and they all <laughs> shoot at him, and he he busts through with the M60 in the back. And then they all just shoot at him, fleeing off. And then where they go? No one chases him. Where do they go? No one chases the guy who they've been after for days. Yeah. And then on the way out on the bike, 
it only took him 10 minutes to get there. But when he gets to town, it's dark. Yeah. So it changes, you well, know, by the time he gets there. And, and it's all dead quiet in yeah, the town, you yeah. know. It's, it's just, it, it's out of sync. Yeah. It is a bit weird. That is a little bit weird. And the other one was at the end that, you know, he's shooting up the town for quite a while. And that why does it take them all to get to the police station, like all the other cops to get around? Yeah, I don't know why there's really no odd. police in the town. Yeah. Because I, I've got, just on that point, because I've got, this is opposite to the last few movies we've done because there's a shit ton of cops in this small town. Right? Yeah, there is. Not at the end, though. They were, but they were they there just, at the end. But then they just disappear. Yeah, yeah. But then there's a million of them outside yeah. when he when he comes back outside. So it's like, well, okay, well, they're there when you need them and because, not there. Because they said there's 200-odd cops out in the mountains and then I figured when they thought he was dead, all the army reserve, everyone yeah. goes home. But then they said there's so many outside again when he, when yeah. he comes to town. Anyway, that's a, that's a little bit, but that just – Carries on from where Morgs was. Yeah. The other only bad thing was when Galt dies when he's trying to shoot him out of the chopper, and and Galt's yelling at the chopper captain, and he's got no headset on. <laughs> right, and they're talking like it's yeah. you know, and there's a chopper ahead. But anyway, that's a small thing. Yeah, Again, Morgs is going to love this, and I reckon Morgs actually might have this in ugly. But the Dan Hill song, the book ends the movie. The start of it, the start of the movie where it's the instrumental version of the song, is amazing. Yeah. It's emotional. It's, it's it's really, really good. As much as I love this song, and I do love this song, this is probably the one thing when I listen to it again, the lyrics are a bit – the lyrics grate the song. Like it becomes grating, and it doesn't suit the end of the movie. Is that a lot, It's a long road. It's a long road. It's a long Yeah, road. I, it just seems to be out of place. I think as an instrumental callback throughout the film, it's next level, but I think the song at the end is a bit poor. Morgs? Uh, yeah, I, I had it in ugly because it's a I lot thought more you would. than a, it's a lot more than a bit poor. It is <laughs> completely heinous. So Dan Hill, uh, you would know him as the sometimes when we touch. Yeah. Oh. That, look, yeah, that, that's his song. So he can write some banger tracks. But uh, let me just I, I know this isn't um the uh Stan Bush kick ass credits segment, but let me just sing a bit of this Dan Hill song to you. So this is the long road. Yeah. It's a long road when you're on your own and it hurts when they tear your dreams apart and every new town just seems to bring you down. Trying to find peace of mind can break your heart. It's a real war. Right outside right your, front. Outside your oh. front door, I'll tell you. Oh, out where yeah, they'll not kill great. you. You could use a, use a friend. Okay, so yeah, we've, we've, ri- we've written some songs for Stan Bush Kick-Ass Credit songs which take between two to five minutes to write. They are much <laughs> better than A Long Row by Downhill. I- it is fucked and it ruins the, the end of that film. Like It is just pathetically bad and ugly. Well, I, I, it's funny you say that because I actually think tonight's kick-ass credit song is worthy of the end of this movie. Excellent. I like that. Yeah, I like excellent. that. So, I like the confidence. But we'll, let, we'll, let the, we'll let the public be the judge. Like the confidence. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so look, for ugly. Can we brush the ugly? There is no ugly. Uh, yeah, look, I've got one. Oh, no, 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 I, got, I have I got, I got one. Oh, okay. I've got, okay. got one thing. I've got Rambo's obvious stuck-on moustache in the Vietnam flashbacks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the okay. only thing I've got. Morgs, what else? I'm sorry, but I've got some, yeah, some takes that are going to be controversial amongst all the fanboys for this film. But 
I when I watched this film uh, last week when when we were doing it for this, I, I the start of the film, I was like, oh my god, I love this film. This is incredible. I've always loved this film. This is this is great. But the it's the basically when it gets into the third act, I just think it goes off the rails. And the the monologue that you guys have referenced a couple of times as being so good, I think it's completely unnecessary and shit. And I think that Sly, you, you mentioned before how great an acting performance he puts in 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 the first act, where he he's got his dialogue. He must say about fifteen words total, but yeah. you, we know everything we need to know about that character. He is brilliant when he is just gutted when he goes to visit his uh, the last of his mates from his platoon in in Vietnam are dead. He is it's incredible. Sly is doing his best work in that. And but but by the third act, that we don't need that monologue. We know just from his his performance in all of the other scenes how much of a shit time he's had and what's driven him to uh, to the edge and, and why he's pushed back on on Teasel and how badly he's he's uh, he's been treated. It just seems superfluous, and it's it's also made worse by the fact that you can't understand understand Sly what he's saying. You don't even know what he's talking about, so. I, I was, your legs. That's that's it. It was the first time that I've noticed it, and I was really let down by that particular monologue. And I know it's a it's a rough take, and I know most people disagree. But yeah, I, I think I it's love ugly. it. And Nothing is over. I, exactly. I just don't think we need. You just it. don't turn I, it off. I think it's a better film without it. I think we already really we, as okay. audience audience members, we are not stupid. We know how much this this guy's got gone through, and the flashbacks show it. I mean, he's obviously he's been tortured. He's obviously suffering from PTSD. It's just unnecessary, and just I think uh, a bit of a narcissistic thing by Sly with, with he adding that in, so he gets this this what he thought was incredible monologue. But yeah, just not not needed. Um, the the other thing I thought was ugly on the rewatch, and it's not his fault because Richard Krenner came in two weeks prior to the film. He was he was a late replacement, but I think his dialogue is so on the nose and so over the top, and could have been handled so much better. Mm. That it's just, I th- he just he talks in bad quotes, like every single line that comes out of his mouth is a corny, on the nose, cheesy quote. Love and it's, it. We Love don't. It. Don't, he could have been a much because you understand that obviously like he's just he's obviously a big exposition guy as well and explaining to uh, to us why Sly's like he is why sorry why Rambo's like he is and how what Krenner's relationship is is with uh, Troutman's uh, relationship is with Rambo but I think it could have been written a lot better and it uh, yeah it just in this viewing and and being. Um, on our road to uh, to becoming uh, uh, very lowbrow critics, I, I just was yeah was, was really struck by how bad that dialogue was. So that combined with the long road by Dan Hill were my three uglies. Yeah, nice. Dan, Dan, remember one thing. Yeah, if you send that many people in there, you're going to need a good supply of body bags. That's what I mean. Like it's not like that would did that yeah. dialogue would it's work like, well. It's like it's like feeding the pigeons to the cat, mate. Rambo, I lo- see, as as Rambo bad as you two, hate it, I love it. Rambo, Rambo, two the the second one. Yeah, all of that would have fit brilliantly. It, yeah, would have yeah. would have been seamless with the tone and and would have worked well. First Blood, the first two thirds of it are a fantastic emotive. Brilliant movie, and I just think it's really let down. And, and Krenner, and I know I've and, and doing research for the flick, I sort of thought, does anyone agree with this? And I'll tell you, not many people do. So I'm, I'm 
willing to go out on the limb with this being a uh, unique take. But yeah, it just really got me this viewing, and it was it was a shame because it uh, it's been no, a. I, yeah, no, I agree, mate. I, I think I think on that one, yeah, he is over the top. That that character is over the top, and and it doesn't really add that much to it. You know, I, and you're right. He he's there to explain how how badass Rambo is. Yeah, it is a bit it is a bit corny. I think that could have. So done I it. agree with that one. Yeah, I, much more. I, I don't agree on the monologue. I don't agree on the monologue take, but I, I that one I'm with you. That was actually better than what I anticipated from you, Dan. So well done. Must be hard to shit on a fellow Dan like that, but uh, just shows the kind of you know man that you are. So let's move into listen to this. Are we going to do one degree of Kurt Russell? Yeah, that comes later. Oh, that's after listen to this, righto? Yeah, because it's you know I'll let you have this one, Gal. Okay, see so you feel good about it. I have a different one. Oh, good. Well done. Listen to this. What do we got? You got anything, Morgs? Oh, just that I think we talked about it earlier, but I, I was very interested in the fact that it was a three and a half hour cut originally, and uh, they had to really obviously get the scalpel out in the edit to make it the film that it is because I, I haven't read the book, but I understand that it does divert a lot from the book and the ending's completely different to the book and that uh, John J. Rambo is quite the psychopath and just uh, a, a... Well, he actually book. dies in the book. Yeah. So Rambo yeah. dies in the book, yeah. and there's no sequels if he dies, so... That's it. He was Makes never it hard, hard to do a sequel, so... He yeah, tried, actually, it, so Sly tried to buy the the cut back from the studio yep. to, to destroy it. Because of the three and a half hours, because they didn't, like, they didn't no, like it that much. No, no, he hated it. So they cut it right down, so... I think that the fact that he was able to salvage that from... A, a cut that he wanted to actually disassociate himself with to make the uh, the final edit is is incredible. So I think that Sly is underrated, perhaps as a uh, a filmmaker, to be able to, um, to to create that out of what was probably a bloated and uh, uh, nonsensical film prior to that. Gal, what about you, mate? Yeah, I've got one. So Morgs, you mentioned before about the the Hessian bag or the Hessian that. Uh, that Rambo wears in that movie, that was actually a, a piece of canvas that was on the set. They found on the outdoor set. It wasn't actually a, a movie prop, but uh, there's only one of those, and Sly's kept that in his possession to this very day. So it's something that's yeah, pretty uh, cool. Yeah, it's a pretty cool fact. Yeah, it's not like the old John McClane 17 singlets. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah, well done. Okay, yeah, I've got uh, I got one about on set, uh, Stallone, oh, not on set, but in a pub. You know, after after hours, first blood after hours, Stallone had a girl come up to him pretending to be a fan so that she could get a free round of drinks, and she obviously wasn't a fan. He's since used that in Rocky Balboa, where the girl comes up to him in the bar and is like, hey, champ, buy a drink. And he so he used that exact sort of real scenario in, in the Rocky Balboa movie, which is a great movie, mind you. It's awesome. That's a Good really baby. cool Good thing. Yeah. Good that he put that in. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've got one quick one here. There was a point, I mean, this they bought the rights, someone bought the rights this in 1972 and then it went through a few changes. But at one point, the studio wanted Chris Christopherson to be Rambo. Oh, convoy. And Gene Hackman as Sheriff Teasel and Lee Marvin as Troutman. That could have worked. It's, it's not a bad movie. Not, not a bad not movie. A, not a bad movie. Hey, what about the David Morell, the author, has come out and said he prefers the film over the novel? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> How good's that? Yeah. <laughs> um, and that we talked about Kirk Douglas earlier being in the role and, and Troutman coming, or sorry, um, Richard Krenner coming in late to it. I don't Kirk, know if you Douglas, guys Kirk Douglas would have been good, man. Yeah. So he wanted he wanted in on this, but he quit. There's only a couple of days before they were filming, which is why 
Richard Krenner had to get Fetty's lines on on set to do a lot of the first scenes. But Kirk Douglas had wanted it to to snowball into here's what he said, here's what I want. At the very end of the movie, I should kill you. The audience sees a cop car driving away, and as it disappears into the fog, a hand reaches up to the rearview mirror. The camera turns up and we see me. It turns up a bit higher and I'm wearing your headband. <laughs> and the studio went, yeah. We're going to get Richard Krenner. We're going to get Richard Krenner. Thanks, mate. Yeah, nah. So apparently, Morgs, just further to your point on the or underground cave. Yep. So it says here, in spite of the fact the air and water temperatures during filming were extremely cold, obviously Sly really only wore a tank top during most of the movie. He never got sick until he drank a shot of brandy and he threw up everywhere. <laughs> Heavy drinker, old Sly. Nice. Loved, oh. it. Loved it. Anything else or are we ready to move on? That's enough. Okay. No, that was good. Yeah, that was Here good. we go. Here we go. Gow wants it. One degree of Kurt Russell, and we all know the easy pick is Tango and Cash. What well, have you got, Gow? Well, I watched this movie last night, and at the at the end when Sly comes into the town, he he Rambo comes in, he he blows up the petrol station. You know, the Bowsers are going crazy. There's fire everywhere, and then he goes to the outpost, which is the yep, the, gun, the shop. gun shop, right? He goes into the gun shop and he he starts throwing he rips out the he rips out the shelf and then he goes into the cupboard. He rips open the cupboard and you see in there a whole heap of cans of accelerant. What were those cans? It wasn't trictochloride. It was trictochloride. Oh, I'm calling it Gow. That's impressive. So anyway, yeah, I think the shop was owned by Ed Cox's brother. You know, I think that's the, the general consensus. Well done, Gow. Well done. Well, Backdrop yeah. throwback. That was very MVP. clever stats. Yeah, MVP, well MVP, MVP. All right, well done. Okay, so quotables. Uh, there's a thousand. Uh, someone give me your two favourites. Two favourites. I'm out for this because I think Credit has all the quotes and they're just cheesy as balls to me. So you guys can, uh, you guys run with it. Oh well, I've got one. I already said it earlier, but mine is when Orville says to Mitch, "Let's do some hunting." Hunting? We ain't hunting him. He's hunting us. Yeah, nice. And that's when the two of them are, are yeah, they're not they're not really keen on getting up in the mountains. No, you. and I wouldn't be either. I wouldn't be either. But you're right, Morgs. Every other quote in this is it's pretty Troutman. much. It's Troutman. Or the King Shit Cop. I do like King Shit Cop. Yeah. Okay, look, I've got many Troutman quotes to, to go to, but this is one of my favourites. And it's, it's a bit of a monologue from old uh, Samuel. You don't want to seem to accept the fact that you're dealing with an expert in guerrilla warfare, with a man who's the best, with guns, with knives, with his bare hands, a man who's been trained to ignore pain, ignore weather, to live off the land and eat things that would make a billy go puke. In Vietnam, his job was to dispose of enemy personnel, to kill, period, win by attrition, and Rambo was the best. Yeah. I actually, that was pretty fucking good. That was better than um, the Krenner. So, no, I think that that's – actually, that delivery was the same as Krenner. So, I think <laughs> – <laughs> yeah, it was – yeah, it's a bit on the nose, that dialogue for, for your mate, uh, your mate Morgs. But, um, yeah, that was, it was a good delivery. I love – and then just – and another thing, and this is me and the Gooby. Company leader to identify Baker team, Rambo, Mesner, Ortega, 
Coletta, Jorgensen, Danforth, Berry, Krakauer, confirm. This is Colonel Troutman. Talk to me, Johnny. Yeah. Good quote. <laughs> so all those names, all those names were, were people in the crew. Oh, really? Oh, They're all names of people in the crew yeah, that they took out. Yeah. yeah. Mate, yeah, there's, there's a lot. There's a lot of... Um... I, I do like Sly's... I won't go through the whole quote, but don't push it. Don't push it. Yeah. I'll give you a war you won't believe. Let it go. Let it go. Yeah, yeah mate, it's, it's so good. It's so good. All right, all right well, look, there's a hundred quotes here. We're not going to go through all of them. You've all seen the movie as many times as us, I'm sure, which is why you're listening to it. And uh, we'd love to hear some of your favourites on the socials. So hit us up on Instagram or, or Facebook or just message me like everyone else does. So now we're moving, which is fast becoming the second least favourite part of the show. Film school? For fuckwits. Take it away, Dan. Yes, fellow fuckwits. Uh, this, we've had a request from another super fan who doesn't get a lot of air time, but he's uh, a very big fan of, uh, of the pod, and that's uh, Moggy. Uh, and uh, <laughs> Moggy is, uh, is a particularly big fan of montages and yeah. really wanted to, wanted to see what my take was on the use of montage in film. And oh, I think great question, Moggy, and uh, certainly something that, uh, that we frequently use in, in, as filmmakers. So I thought we'd, we'd do a bit of a deep dive into, into montages. So uh, the montage... It's it's definitely ever present part of modern screenwriting, and the most common form that uh, us fuckwits are used to seeing is the training montage, which is an essential trope found in sports movies, but uh, also in revenge and action and thriller flicks, and it uh, efficiently prepares a character to face an ultimate challenge. So, uh, I mean, any famous ones that spring to mind for you, blokes? Oh, Rocky, of course, yeah. Please, um, before I, it begins and ends. I think for Gao, for No Retreat, No Surrender, there's a, a, a fantastic montage in that. Pretty much every every sports movie, there's some sort of use of, of montage and, and generally for a training montage, uh, a variation on the montage. But Gao, any 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 for you that's uh, particularly memorable? No Retreat, No Surrender. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I knew you'd love it. It's the it. best. Uh, it is it the is, best. It's really good. Isn't there a part Mitchell of that? Mitchell Palm Tree? Kickboxer? No retreat, no surrender. Doesn't um, I can't remember the character's names, but doesn't his mate sit on him when he's doing sit-ups or something and and scream at him? It's a bit weird and a bit uh, a bit um, homoerotic from memory. Oh, I can't remember. I remember the ones where he's he's doing he's he's got the legs over the pole and he and he's doing the push up up high and he flings himself up onto the wood like he's back up onto the wood. And I was like, how does someone even do? One yeah, of that's that's crazy. So. Yeah, anyway, but yes, look, for the Rocky franchise is absolutely famous for montages. And certainly as filmmakers, we, we frequently use montage and it's essentially an editing technique. So it emphasizes the relationships between shots and the juxtaposition, juxtaposition of images to create ideas not present in the shot itself. So that sounds pretty wordy, but I, I guess uh, the montages are really useful for a number of reasons. Uh, this includes, uh, it's really a summary of a single topic. So we talk about exposition a lot, but it's a, the exposition or introduction to the characters, their story or their world or their backstory. So um, that, that's why we use it. And then also for the condensing of time, uh, informational space 
into a short and usually fast-paced sequence. So that's a, that's a pretty common form of montages. For TV, a very famous montage user, obviously, our, mate the, Ho- our mate the Hoff for Baywatch. I know that, that um, Matthew's giving it a rewatch with, with all, all of his family at the moment. And, oh, look, absolutely. And uh, for me, they use it because they, they, don't, they dip, spend about 10 bucks on each they got no and, fucking and idea what out. else to do. That's it. So for, for TV, that's probably not the best use of montage for Mitch uh, doing slow-mo running down the beach and Pamela Anderson um, uh, bursting out of her red cosy on, on the beach as well. Not that that's uh, not, not a bad montage by any stretch. But um, no. there, there's actually, uh, for, to get a bit technical, there's actually five methods of montage. So um, they're broken up into metric which is cutting shots together based on exact measure of the length of time, so and disregarding the length and the content of the shot. Um, there's rhythmic, which is also known as continuity editing, which we talked a bit about in a, a previous film school for Puckwits, and that, that's cutting based on the content of the shots um, with edits differing in length depending on what happens within the sequence. So uh, another method of montage is tonal, which we talked about a bit earlier, which is cutting based on tones within the shot. So the uh, the, the highlighting of emotional Did you say or, anal? I said tonal. Oh, you, sorry. Yes, continue. Gutter, gutter ball. Um, it's the highlighting of emotional themes or meanings in the shots themselves. So shots that are linked based on oral or visual similarities. So, oral? Um, yeah, no, oral. <laughs> uh, and then there's overtonal, which is cutting according to overtones and themes within different shots, So, uh, which incorporate wider themes of the film and creating an emotional response from the audience. So, uh, And the final one's intellectual which is um, the antithesis of this podcast and of uh, you two dimwits. But it's very different shots cut together as a visual metaphor. Uh, the shots are linked together through a similar intellectual meaning. So obviously uh, very, very not much relevance to this particular film called for Fuckwits episode. But uh, uh, what I wanted to say is great montage doesn't always have to be in a sport or action flick. So... Getting around to it is uh, here's my top three non-sport or, or non-action uh, film montages. So uh, we talked a little bit about this one in my top four films, and it, it, it pops up in the top four every now and again. But it's the Breakfast Club, and uh, I don't know if you remember the scene. Yeah, I do uh, remember. I refer to as the detention dance, um, but basically John Hughes. Uh, his montage displays the teenage angst of each member of the group. So uh, the result is we basically see that they become friends during their detention and they're now comfortable in each other's company despite the differences. So, okay. Are you going to say Ferris Bueller next then? Uh, no, but okay. it's, that I, I actually left that. I wanted to do top five, but I was trying to trim it a bit this week because film okay. school for Parkways does roll on a bit. But that's I was the, my final question. You can uh, revert back to this, but um, so yeah, it's a, basically that's uh, the, it, it suggests unity, the montage in the breakfast dance. So the characters united, but um, as as an audience, we're united with them. So we see uh, where we can unite with the characters in a, in a shared moment of joy when they're all smoking the, smoking their doobies and um, Judd Nelson, regardless, he's a weird cat in that particular scene and throughout the entire movie. Yeah, he's a weird cat, isn't he? What? Weird cat. But um, this one's a little bit more obscure, but um, an excellent flick and I would encourage all of you fuckwits to watch it if you haven't seen it already. But uh, City of God, which is um, a Brazilian yep. favela kid drug lord flick. So... 
Uh, absolutely brilliant movie, and um, don't be put off by the subtitles, uh, fuckwits. It's it's fantastic. But there's a there's a really unique montage scene, which it's a it's a tonal style of montage scene where it tells the history of the um, the drug apartment there. So it uses voiceover and narration and montage to quickly explain everything that's happened in this particular apartment, and it catches the audience uh, catches up to speed on how a local dealer, Blackie got control of his turf but what's really interesting is that the scene uses the same static shot of the of the apartment for the entire history of the apartment it, it basically changes up the all the furniture and it's a bit of a continuity nightmare but it shows how the apartment um degrades and the de- decor changes as it changes hands so we see the journey of the apartment and, and it starts with full of furniture and life but in the end it's stripped down of its uh its, if its personality like the, the actual apartment is a personality so it's a really clever use of a static shot it's a it's it moves the plot along but uh, also contains a lot within it and that, that that static shot allows the scope for that particular journey within a within a really small frame. So my final favourite montage is actually my personal favourite montage, and one you'll be very aware of. It's a very famous montage and, and non-sporting movie montage. But uh, we we mentioned it earlier on today. But train spotting, so a fantastic example of world building and, and character exposition through montage is the the timeless choose life speech at the start. Of, of train spotting uh, set to Iggy Pop's Lust for Life track. I mean, what a, what an absolutely yeah. brilliant opening to a movie. It's an overtonal montage. Uh, it introduces to the main characters as they play football, and it's uh, it actually um, it foreshadows what the, the the characters basically their their traits throughout the film. So, Sick Boy, when it, especially they're playing soccer five a side. I don't know if you remember in it, but uh, yeah, Sick yeah. Boy he, he he fouls a player and then denies the fall. Begbie's ultra violent like he trips a player up and, and then cacks himself about it spud's really weedy and runs away from the ball and um, when he goes to make a save uh and tommy the golden boy who ends up becoming the smackies he's playing really well and, and holding the ball up and, and playing against four characters at once so it serves a, as a real microcosm of the characters and it introduces us to the main themes of the film which is drug abuse addiction and, and nihilism so yeah, that's uh, a couple or three of my favourite uh, non-sporting and non-action film montages. But are there any others that, that you guys particularly love? Why do you mention uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off? Yeah, Ferris Bueller's one that springs to mind straight away. Uh, other than that, like to be perfectly honest, I figure that montages are best suited to chop a shit ton of time down into something very short and make it look like they've done a lot of work in 60 or 90 seconds. Well, I, I totally agree. And now would be a good time to chop in the brilliant theme from Team America World Police, which is... Good, unless, uh, the, unless, unless, if we could, we would. Otherwise, we'd get ripped off the air in about fucking five seconds. Yeah, all right. But that's... Uh, <laughs> check, check it out. That is... Like, that is yeah. Look, I think that uh, Team America is one long montage. and It is. It's, and it's, it's, it's quality. It's, also a brilliant uh, Stan Bush kick-ass credit song version as well. So, definitely. Anyway, definitely. Moggy... That is for you, uh, a, a bit from the industry about montages. I hope it explained a few things. I'm definitely struggling with making these episodes shorter. So if anyone else <laughs> has, haven't noticed, haven't yeah, noticed. If, if anyone, uh, any of the any of the fans, Herp, if there's anything you'd like to know about the industry, just hit me hit me up on on the MySpace page, and I'll be happy to do it in film school for fuckwits. We might oh. need a montage for this scene. Yeah, we might cut the film school for fuckwits down into a montage. <laughs> it's it's pretty long, but I get pretty deep on it. And I think I want to make it. Yeah, I want to I want to do a good job. Of well, being being my wisdom, being the one industry insider on the panel, it's we need to to bleed you for everything that you've got. 
It is, and I, I, I hope that oh, fellow puckwits do use my knowledge to to show off in front of. Uh, They'd be silly if they didn't, Dan. Lives. They'd be silly they if would. they didn't. They would. So uh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, on we go. Okay. Well, well done. Look, now it's time for the kick-ass credit song. All right. So I've done the credit song tonight, and I think I'm ready to fucking roll with it. So it's another ballad. This time it is. It's a bit country rock power ballad, I think. It's got a bit of Keith Bourbon about it. And, yeah, so let's just see how it goes. All right. It, it can't be any worse than Dan Hill's Long Road, that's for sure. <laughs> it, it, look, it, it might be. It might be. I just had to listen just to get the tune again. So it, I'm just – it could be end up being Slim Shady again. So let's just wait and see. Okay. In Nam I would pilot million-dollar vehicles. I killed and I maimed. I learnt life was fickle. Got home and I found I can't get a job. Not parking, not trimming. Now where was my God? So I walk and I wander to the edge of the yonder to find Delmore Barry. He's now a goner. The cancer, it got him in 72. Got home, didn't realize his life would be through. I hand over the photo and head to the south till some king shit cup starts running his mouth. He pushed and he prodded. The blood starts to flow with ink on my fingers. I'm ready to blow and I snap. It's all over, these coppers are shit Broken noses and jawbones, it's blood they will spit And I steal some kids, zip zip, and head to the hills Where I'll make my last stand, someone's blood I will spill You drew first blood, not me Teasel started this war, now I'll end it with a hidden trap spree Troutman says, let the fucker free. Cause you drew first blood, not me. I eaten the boar and stabbed Caruso's hammy. Held a knife to Teasel's neck. His back got all clammy. This war isn't over till I say it so. I'll grab an M60 and finish the show. Teasel falls through the roof, but he isn't dead yet. In fact, only one died, and that was actually manslaughter at best. You drew first blood, not me. Teasel started this war. I ended it with an M60. You drew first blood, not me. I surrendered a Troutman. It's a life of hard labor for me. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> it sounded like a Billy Bragg song. That was definitely. Uh, <laughs> a, 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 a... <laughs> And uh, I it, okay. So first and foremost, it is a fifty times better than Dan Hill's <laughs> pathetic effort. So if I was uh, the producer of the film, uh, Andrew Vanya and uh, Mario Casar, I would be replacing your song <laughs> with uh, that at the moment. But very well done. Um, you are obviously very fond of your own work because you completely forgot that we do one verse and one chorus. Mate, I, I, no, no, no. I've got to say that. The music, I had the music in me, and it was like Gow with You Got a Mullet, where you just had to keep writing. It wrote itself. The song wrote itself. 
I, I want to ask you one question. You, you didn't want to go with, you've got an army mullet? <laughs> it was considered. It was considered. It definitely was considered. Uh, well, that was, that in was your, unreal. That song was, in, was unreal. It was in your key as well. I could see yeah. Gao buying that as a, a single. <laughs> like he would, yeah. He, he would have forked three ninety nine at More Music or Sandy's uh, look, DIY. Wait, for that sure. would go. That would go on top of Vicar and Linda Bull for sure. For sure. Yeah. For sure. It'd be in the six. Right it'd be in the six CZ stacker. Yeah. With Vicar and Linda. Look, I've got to say, I, I I did mention to Morgs that I felt pretty confident about my song tonight. I I, I felt like it was not piss taking enough, but I'm, I'm pretty happy with that one. But we'll, we'll see how we go. We'll, we'll Only we'll time will tell. Only time will tell. All right, let's move into star of the show. Gal, you start with this one. Jeffrey. Sly. The character of Rambo. We've, we've been through it. I don't need to say much more on that, how good he is in this movie. Unreal. Yeah. Love love Teasel in it. Love Brian Denny, but I, I think, yeah, it's it's Sly all the way. Yeah. yeah. Morgs? It's Brian Denny for me. I think he's he's flawless. I think he's a fantastic actor and a fantastic performance. So I think he eclipses Sly. I just, I, I guess, looking at it critically, I think that knowing he'd only been doing it for four years, uh, Brilliant. Yeah, look, it's it is. I could go either way, but of course, I'm going sly. I I think he's underrated as an actor, and this movie really, really shows that. And I go back to the first scene again that that emotional journey he takes in the first five minutes of the film. Yeah, wins it for me. So that's sly for me. Let's get into the ratings. This is a good one. I've got a couple options for us for the ratings. I got uh, punji sticks. Got Bowie knives. I got M60s. I got King Shit Cops, and I got Siren Arms. Thoughts? King Shit Cops, of course. Hundreds, yeah. yeah. I like that. I, yeah. I don't want weapons. I think King Shit Cops. King is Shit good. Cops. Okay. So, how many King Shit Cops are you going to give this one, Dan? Well, the first two thirds of the movie would get a three and a half, and the Last third of the movie gets a two. So if you're five and a half, it's a 2.75 overall for me, which seems harsh. Wow. Daniel. Yeah. I, 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 and it makes me sad because I love the first two thirds of this movie. And I was, when the rat's coming for you, the rat is coming for you. A Mr. S. Nixon of, of Collaroy is probably won't talk to me for uh, a few years. uh, A note. The rat is coming. But yeah, no, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm taking that back. I'm going to up it to a three, but it's only a three because I was disappointed in the in the final third. Okay. Yeah, what are you giving it? How many king shit cops is uh, Rambo getting? Four point seven five. Oh, good, oh. good one. And I'm getting some super dries out of that. I'd say. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm sure, I'm getting a six pack of super dry from Sloan. Uh, no, that this movie's unreal. I I was so wow. looking forward to watching this. And I didn't realize how much until I till this week. I was like, wow, I can't wait to watch this again. I haven't seen it for such a long time. And I will watch this again. I will definitely watch it. I don't normally think I'll watch movies again. You're I not would. big on the rewatches, are you? No, and I'll 100% watch this again. It's just a great movie. Yeah, no, it is great. Look, I'm – okay. On IMDb, I've given this a rating of 9, which would be 4.5. But I'm going to go with Gow. This is close to a perfect movie for me. I'm going 4.75, and this now is really going to fuck things up. <laughs> hold on. We're just, we're just, hold on. 
He had the phone out before you even started talking more. Uh, you know what? I keep doing minus instead of divide. <laughs> I've done it again. I'm going to go with a 4.17. <laughs> hey, what are you? What are you calculating? I don't think he knows what he's doing. I don't know what I'm doing. Okay, we're going to go four point one seven. Okay, so it's four point one seven king shit cops, is and it, I, there's an echo in here. Is there an right? echo? There's an echo in here. So, Gal, four point one seven king shit cops. Where does this put? Four point one seven. I tell Gal. I tell you what, Morgs has let us down here. But anyway, go. Four point one seven. Puts this into equal fourth spot with the guard at 4.17 Derringers. One below Die Hard at 4.25 Toasted Quarterbacks. The fact that this movie is the same as the guard does my head in. Uh, yeah, look, I, I, I would much prefer to watch First Blood than the guard. But anyway, I know Morgs feels, feels otherwise, but... I'm, I'm sad. Like I'm not. I, I don't. I don't say it lightly, and I'm not being a dick. When I, I, I was very, I was so excited, like yeah, when I watched the first two thirds, and then I just, I was kind of went, this could have been a different movie, and it's just let down by some, some, some crap at the end. So uh, yeah. Anyway, I, I stand by my call there, and I'm ready to to cop it with my black jacket on. Okay, so four point one seven king shit cops puts first blood into fourth spot, equal with the guard. What are we watching, fellas? Gow? I'm watching everything. I was watching nothing last week. Yeah, you're all over it this yeah, week. Yeah, I'm all over it. I'm watching. Well, I watched the first episode of House of the Dragon. Yep. Got that out of the way. Queen of the South, there's a new series out. I've been watching that on and off. Animal Kingdom, I'm getting one a week, so I'm into that as well. And You're good at getting one a week, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. Not really. And there was something else I was watching too. Uh, I can't think of what it was. Hello, Mr. Goodbar. <laughs> it might have been a country practice. Goodbar. <laughs> Will and Grace? Yeah, re-watching that. Yeah, okay. Gal Morgs, what about you, mate? Uh, well, I'm sad to say that Breaking Bad has concluded uh, absolutely amazing effort. Vince Gilligan. What a, better Call what Saul, a, you yeah. mean? Yeah, well, yeah better, better Call Saul. Saul. Sorry, that's the other one I've been watching. Yeah, you said Breaking Bad. Yeah. No, I've been oh, watching yeah, Better sorry. Call Saul. I've, I'm, into, I'm, in, I'm in five episodes in, Yeah, and it's I awesome. Won't, I won't spoil it for you, but, yeah, brilliant end to a slow-burning but brilliant TV experience. So yeah, finish that off. Um, not much. Oh yeah, try to watch House of House of the Dragon, but I got halfway into F one and will not be continuing that journey. Sorry. Uh, great Game of Thrones. The final season just burnt me, and I'm over it. Yeah, look, I didn't mind. I, I'm watching. I watched the first episode of House of Dragons. I, I enjoyed it. It was pretty freaking violent, and I'll continue. But another movie. It's come back onto Netflix. And I'd like to do it on Born to Watch at some stage. It was probably a little while away, which is The Nice Guys with Russell Crowe. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a great movie. It is so funny. I actually watched watched Stripes last night. Oh, how good. I saw it the other day. It's so good. Yeah, Yeah, loved it. Loved it. Okay. So we're going to talk about what we're going to do next week. Yeah. And uh, I'm throwing – we're throwing a curveball. I'm making an executive decision here, and we're throwing a curveball into the what we've been doing of late. And we're going back to the start. We're going back to episode one. We're redoing it. Top Gun Maverick has just started streaming on Paramount. We're going to give the Born to Watch treatment to Top Gun Maverick. And I think this is going to be one not to miss, because I don't think Dan has seen this yet. 
Nah, I've been trying. I haven't been able to get my ass into the cinema. So if it's streaming, I'll uh, I'll talk to the fine people at Paramount Plus and see if they can throw me a bone and uh, yeah, I'll watch it this week. Uh, look, everyone I've spoken to has done nothing but rave about it. So I do have high expectations. Well, it, it is already rating. It is already top of the list on the Born to Watch Pantheon at 4.75 Gs. And... It'll be that, that was on see. a two-person rating. That was on a two-person rating. So it'll be interesting to see what happens yeah, when Dan re-watch. comes into the mix. Yep. Because it will change it. And our ratings can change because we'll make it as a, as a as the Top Gun Maverick rewatch and we'll see where it, where it fits. And we could change our ratings. So it'll be interesting. I'm looking forward to it. I've started watching it already. It's really freaking good. <laughs> it's really freaking good. Anyway, that's it for this week. Great show. Probably a long show. We tried to trim it, but this movie was one that we just could not trim. We've outlasted the movie again two weeks. I in think a row. we have, yeah. We've we've definitely oh, we've, we've smashed we've smashed the movie length. Yeah, this is the original. This is the original. <laughs> this, this is, is Sly's first cut. This is the filthy Luca remix, the first blood. And we had a lot of fun. Can't wait till next week until we cover Top Gun Maverick. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell strangers. Listen to Born to Watch. Join the journey. We're having a lot of fun, and we love having you guys along with us. So until next week when we see you on the line, it's bye for now. Catch you later. Sorry, Sonny. Sorry, Sloan. Didn't mean to shit on your movie. Thank you for listening to this episode of Born to Watch. To join us on our journey into some of our favourite movies of all time, you can find us on all good podcast networks like Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you like what you hear, Give us a five-star review and share with your friends.